Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors, presented by FMG Suite. Listen to interviews with the movers, shakers, geniuses, and innovators of the financial advisory world. Visit FMGSuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. And now, without further delay, the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. Hi, everybody. Mike Woods here, one of the founding members of FMG Suite. And I wanted to welcome you to another episode of the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors, presented by FMG Suite. More than 40,000 advisors rely on FMG Suite to help them stay connected, build relationships, and grow their business. Now it's your turn. Visit fmgsuite.com and schedule a demo so you can see our tools in action. In this podcast, we talk to Greg Woodbury, who is FMG Suite's VP of Business Development. Greg spends about half of his time on the road speaking at conferences and meeting with home office people. So Greg's going to share his thoughts today on financial advisors and marketing, how to achieve social media success, and the importance of using digital marketing to bolter relationships with clients. So on with the show. Today we're joined in studio by Greg Woodbury, FMG's Vice President of Business Development. Hey, Greg. Mike, good morning. How are you? Oh, just living the dream over here, Greg. Living the dream. Just living the dream. Hey, uh... Wanted to give a little bit of background on you. You spend most of your time uh, flying across the country, uh, out on the road, speaking at corporate events, uh, working with home offices. So today I wanted to take a few minutes and chat with you about uh, some of the trends you see emerging between home offices and advisors this year. Uh, one of the first ones, you, you and I, as we uh, did a little pre-prep for this uh, w- uh, podcast, we talked about one of the ones is that financial advisors really are not great marketers. Uh, maybe a better way to put it is they're not natural marketers. It's not something that they think about first. They think more about uh, more about their clients, their financial advice, how they're prospecting, what they're doing. But marketing is not something they that really comes natural. So uh, home offices are really pitching in and helping quite a bit. Absolutely. And you and I have been in this business for an embarrassingly long time. And um, in our original... Uh, Pursuit, we dealt with the advisors and really trained them on how to do seminar marketing back in the mid to late 90s. And so we've had the benefit of seeing kind of the evolution of the marketplace, uh, the tools that have changed. Um, but to, to be more on point with your question is advisors don't necessarily get into the business because they love marketing, right? They get in the business because they love helping people on a one-on-one basis. They um, are natural salespeople. You know, they've certainly got a talent as it relates to the planning side of the business, uh, but only a select few are really natural marketers. And so the balance of financial advisors or financial professionals really have to find a mechanism <clears throat> that they can employ on their behalf to be able to be successful uh, in the financial services arena. And so, again, back in the day, it was seminar marketing. Uh, our organization made it very easy for someone to uh, gain entry into kind of that endeavor. Uh, and in today's world, you know, the, that's changed. I mean, similar marketing is still around, but it's not nearly as prevalent as some of the other digital marketing tools that are available in the industry to help people be successful. And so home offices are, you know, they're going in a variety of different directions in terms of how to help their reps. I think most uh, independent broker dealers are looking to provide their advisors with some choices, um, kind of best of breed of uh, firms that provide tools that make it as easy as possible for advisors to be in front of their clients and prospects on a regular basis uh, and do so in, in a compliant fashion. And so 
that's kind of a high level answer. Um, thoughts from you, Mike? Well, do there are they um, with with marketing? Marketing broadly defined is how a how an advisor would or any professional would position their practice. Uh, but really, when you dig into marketing, there's there's the branding aspect, there's the 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 marketing a- aspect of it, there's a relationship aspect of it. Are are home offices defining marketing more broadly for advisors? Um, you know, again, it varies um, depending on the organization that the uh, broker or that the advisor is working for, right? I mean, some home offices are becoming very involved in um, making sure they're involved in that selection process. Other broker dealers are more hands off, uh, letting advisors kind of make their own choice. But yes, in general. And you have to understand the broker-dealer business is a a relatively slim margin business. So the more successful the advisor is, the more successful the the broker-dealer is. So uh, in general, broker-dealers are actively pursuing different tools that will allow their advisors to be as successful as possible in the least amount of time. There's an enormous amount of compression on an advisor in today's world from a back office perspective, from a compliance perspective, from a marketing perspective. And it's just, it's really, really challenging to wear as many hats as an advisor really has to wear. And so the more that you can automate, the more that you can uh, use tools that are going to make it seamless for you, the more successful you're going to be. And and it's important for advisors uh, to really embrace marketing. I think if you're going to be competitive in today's marketplace, you, you can't be at arm's length with marketing. You have to kind of live it and breathe it. You can em- employ the tools to make it more automated, but you can't you can't have marketing as kind of an afterthought. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I think what you, you what you mentioned earlier is, is is very true. Gone are the days where you would pull a list of 5,000 people, send out a mailer promoting a, a, a seminar, uh, buy them dinner at Ruth Chris Steakhouse, and have 40 people show up, get 40 names to follow up on those those days seem to have passed, although seminars on some levels are doing a revival. But in general, that type of pr- promotion or that type of event marketing really is, is, has, has come and gone. Yeah, there's cycles and everything, right? And so I think seminar marketing uh, is is cyclical in nature. There was a time when uh, when you and I were back in the business, you know, someone could send out a direct mail piece and get, you know, one, one and a half percent response rate and feel like they'd hit a home run. Mm-hmm. You right. know, as we were tailing off on the downward side of that cycle, people were were excited to get a quarter of 1% response rate. And, um, you know, it just got to the point where that had run its course. Sure. You'd send out a mailer and, and people looked at those mailers as, hey, this is a great, it's another free mail. And uh, it wasn't as profitable for advisors. But then we also had the advent of technology. I mean, when we started, again, embarrassing as it may be, uh, there was no internet there, you know, people didn't have computers at their desk. I mean, we worked off a phone and a dumb terminal and yeah, I'm showing my age. But, um, <laughs> I was going to say, gee, dad, did they have CDs when you were oh, young? Yeah, or oh, no? CD, wasn't that, wasn't that tape drives? Um, but the point being is now with the digital tools available, you know, costs have come down. Things are, are, you're, you're able to have a much larger reach uh, at a much lower cost. I mean, you, you look at even people that send out, a physical newsletter back in the day that was that was cost of doing business but in today's world you can accomplish um, that and so much more using email marketing tools 
that advisors just have to look to those tools to be successful. And again, it can't be an afterthought. I mean, as much as you want to come in and just work with clients all day and, and really be in the planning side of the business, you have to embrace marketing at a particular level, whether you uh, delegate to other people on the staff or whatever, but it's got to be an integral part of the business and you've got to be aware of what's going on. Gotcha. Well, I know you were at one event recently uh, where you were talking to individuals about as they structure their week, what their week would look like. And I know you had a couple of people that you held out as examples too that uh, that showed their daily calendar and how much time they would spend meeting with people, how much time they would spend uh, doing back office, how much time they would spend marketing. Give it, give the uh, listeners just a little idea of, of how that really chunks out, how, how they should structure their week. Yeah, I mean, we had a really compelling podcast. We had one of our advisors uh, that uh, joined us by the name of Rafi Rodriguez. And um, the thing that's compelling about Rafi is, and it, this kind of goes back to what I was commenting on, is you have to really be committed to the marketing side. Obviously, you're going to be... Uh, well kind of entrenched in the planning side. But the thing that Rafi does that I think is a miss for other advisors is he's very structured from what he does on a daily basis. And uh, during the uh, WebEx, we actually showed his daily calendar. And you can look at his calendar, and he's got uh, time mock marked off every day, six days a week. And he'll come in, and um, he will spend a little time in the morning uh, reviewing his his LinkedIn account, and he does a lot of, of uh, networking uh, to his um, first degree connections, and so he'll reach out to those folks. Uh, he has a whole process of getting introductions to other small business owners in in his community, and then he's got time uh, blocked off where he actually uh, meets clients and follows up on appointments, and then he has uh, follow up time in the afternoon uh, to do additional um, marketing using the FMG platform, and so. Although marketing, I'm sorry, although Rafi is uh, a true financial planner, financial professional, and that is is, is uh, true calling, um, which is another aspect that we could uh, discuss. But Rafi has a real passion for helping people. And so it would be easy for him to kind of get locked up and just feeling like he's got to deal with client issues all day. But he also recognizes that he's got to continue that lifeblood of his business and making sure that he's reaching out uh, to new folks as well, and he's doing that predominantly through social media, and he's he's having an enormous amount of success. So he's got a really well-balanced plan to be able to engage in marketing uh, and then the rest of the uh, dedicated and devoted time to clients and other aspects of his business. Gotcha. So so let's just uh, let's put some numbers around it. Uh, he looks uh, 20 hours a week, meeting with customers 10 hours a week, marketing 10 hours a week, compliance, back office. Can you, could you chunkify it like that? Well, um, I think in general, I would say that Rafi spends probably 20 to 25% of his time focused on his marketing efforts. Mm, interesting. And, and so it's. And is that every day or is that, uh, does he, does he do that on specific days of the week? He, he does. Uh, and I can't recall immediately in terms of which days are which, but he spends, um, time every day in the morning in terms of reviewing his, his social media accounts. And then in the afternoons, he chunks off time in the middle of the day and then late afternoons uh, slash early evening for, for clients. Um, he also, you know, he has time blocked off to go to the gym, to do reading and research uh, on the marketplace. And so it, it's, it's really well organized 
with the understanding he knows there are certain aspects of his business he has to pay attention to. And I guess what I'm really trying to relate um, or have people relate to is he's not coming in and spending 80% of his time on marketing. Gotcha. He's employing the FMG suite uh, tools that automate his email marketing, automates his, uh, a good portion of his social media uh, communication. Um, we manage the website for him. So he has a lot on autopilot, but he definitely spends a certain amount of time, uh, especially on the social media side, communicate, communicating with folks uh, about what he's doing in the community, uh, reaching out to other connections, things of that nature that uh, have been important to his business. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's turn the page. Let's, uh, let's go to, uh, we talked about home offices recognizing financial advisors are not necessarily uh, natural advisors or natural marketers. Let's turn the let's go to the next chapter and talk about uh, uh, most advisors are not structured for social media success. I think that's one thing that you and I've talked about quite a bit that the uh, social media, the average age of a financial advisor generally, uh, I think that now is in their 50s. Uh, they're bringing some young people on in their practice, but they're generally not structured for social media success. Yeah, it. And I don't know if the word structured would be uh, the most accurate way to describe that as much as, as it is awareness and top of mind. And uh, you and I had a conversation earlier this week, and I'll use my son as an example. Um, my son is a, a commercial artist, and um, a year or two ago, he had been working for a another firm. You know, he came out of college with his design degree. He's always had this vision of being a uh, commercial artist, and so he worked at another studio for a year or two, he got tired of doing kind of the production end of that business and felt like he needed to break out to really do his design business. So he and his partner uh, decided to launch their own business. Now, you know, he uh, didn't have a big budget to go out and launch a business. Uh, he was on a shoestring, um, much of the concern of his parents. Uh, uh, a uh, budding entrepreneur. Yeah, I was I was having a, a, a vision here of uh, supporting a, another business right. uh, through my son. But uh, to his credit, him and his partner went out, uh, started their own business. They've got a little studio. And he and his partner live uh, from a social media perspective. And so he's taken this business that really zero revenue. He had a few uh, outside clients he was doing some freelance work for. But he and his partner are very talented. So they... Um, they really pursued the business and started uh, engaging in social media. So they were reaching out with, to some pretty significant blogs, not only in the United States, but around the country, demonstrating their work. They're posting every day. Um, they're just involved in social media in a variety of different areas. And his business has just blown up. I mean, he is, he's got a real legitimate, significant business, um, making pretty significant money at this point in time. And it's, it really is entirely devoted to, uh, or I should say be credited to his social media efforts. Now, they're very talented, um, but there's no way his business would have not would have grown at that rate had he not really embraced social media, come in every day, and and kind of been involved in that aspect of the business. Gotcha. So he really, um, as you and I looked at some of his material, he really lives his day-to-day -day life on social media where he's posting what he's doing in the morning. He might pop onto Instagram with a photo in the afternoon. And the uh, in, in the early evening might post how they ended up the day, what they've done, and uh, a little bit is uh, due to serendipity of the success. But um, the 
success formula is being in the right place at the right time. That's ap- absolutely accurate. Um, and I think what I'm trying to communicate to folks that are in the financial services industry is that too often we, we get a, kind of get locked up in terms of what we're going to do from a social media perspective. Now, FMG provides a great library of content. We call it foundational content that allows advisors to be consistently out there in the marketplace being top of mind with their clients and prospects. But it's that next level that really makes the difference. And so we now have employed tools in our platform that allow advisors to do uh, custom social posts. And this is kind of on the lines of what my son is doing. And so you're right. He'll be sitting in his office and take a picture of a, um, a um, project that they've just recently completed. And so he'll post that. Or he'll, uh, he'll post something where he's out at, a, at an event that's related to his uh, design studio. Uh, any number of things that's just going to bring awareness to the fact that he's actively engaged in this, in this uh, business. And so from a financial service perspective, you know, if I'm a financial advisor, I might uh, post something that uh, is happening if I'm down at a charitable event or, you know, if I'm at a sporting event, something that my clients and prospects might relate to. And that allows you to be more more human, more personable. And I think if I'm a, a client or prospect, I would look at that and think, okay, I can, I can have a better understanding now of whether I like, trust this individual, wh- whether I can relate to them. And I think that's meaningful. Sure, sure. You know, uh, too often... I think we hear, well, well I, it, it would be hard for me to do that because of compliance. The rules of compliance do this, the rules of compliance. And in, in some ways, to me, that's a cop-out because uh, I work with uh, compliance officers around the country, and they are they're deeply committed to helping their financial advisors be successful. If, if, if they've done anything over the past uh, year or two, it's, it's accelerate turnaround time, especially for social posts that advisors consider timely. Yeah. And I, I would agree with that. If if we were talking five years ago, I'd say, yeah, you're probably out of luck because uh, social media was not overly embraced in the early years. But I think today, uh, as long as you're not doing something silly like a testimonial, if you're, you know, you're with a client in some way, it's conveyed that you've done something in particular to get them success that, you know, that that is right on the border of whether that's compliant, approved or not. But just being at a, a social event or doing charitable work or something that makes you more human or involved in a hobby that you uh, think might relate to your clients and prospects, you're right. Those those things are meaningful, and compliance departments, you know, they rec- recognize that. And the other thing, too, is something like that doesn't need to be approved, you know, in the next eight hours. You can submit that compliance that's relatively evergreen. You can make sure that that gets out in the next week or two and it's going to have just as much impact as if you do it today. Right, right. So there's there's no reason to try to throw compliance under the bus because you can't have that uh, immediately. Sure, you sure. Know, because and you're right, most compliance officers right now are really trying hard to make sure that their advisors can have success. Um, they're, they're not the enemy. They're your friend. Right, right. You know, it, it's interesting because... Uh, you know uh, how FMG has evolved its platform to make it much easier to create a social post or to create a blog and share it, share it socially, and and we continue to invest in that. Um, one of the uh, the trends you are also seeing is with the home offices is not to allow advisors to use the one-off websites anymore. There, there, someone wants to do a website on Wix or or WordPress. Uh, home offices are a little less inclined to allow that anymore. 
Well, understand the plight of the compliance department, right? They have uh, a large number of advisors they most likely are having to look after. And <clears throat> the more seamless you can make their job, uh, the, the more that they can actually approve and do things for you. So if you're using a one-off website that you then have to print everything off and send it in to them, uh, the content that you may have on the website may not be been reviewed. There's just a, an enormous number of things that they have to take into consideration. Whereas if we're using a platform like FMG, uh, with most broker dealers, we have a seamless compliance process where they have a dashboard on their end where they're able to review things. They understand that they have access to pre-approve pre all of our content. Ours has been reviewed with no objection letters. It just makes their life much easier. And so if, if an advisor wants to try to help out their compliance department with the understanding that if they're on a platform like ours, the compliance officer's life is going to be easier. Thus, they'll have more time to actually get to the submissions like these custom um, social posts. That's going to be that's going to be meaningful. It's a win-win on both sides for the most part. Gotcha. Yeah, not to mention the fact that uh, uh, it's very simple and straightforward for compliance to pull an archive of what the site looks like. Uh, so when they do get the FINRA audits, and it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, it's very easy for them to access the material that shows what the website had. Yeah, imagine the poor compliance department that uh, gets a site that's submitted um, by the high school son of a financial advisor because his son or daughter is, is uh, technically talented, but it's just a little all over the place. And then they've got to review the content with great scrutiny. And you're right, and trying to get an archive, they're going to have to print that off in advance and store it somewhere. They're not going to have the benefit of our archives. It's just, it's just harder. And so if you can make it easier for a compliance department, they're typically pretty appreciative. Sure, sure. Make it easy, and it's easy all around. Life needs to be easy for all of us, don't you think? <laughs> From time to time, yes. It would sure be nice. Uh, all right, so let's go, let's go to our uh, last chapter. This one I uh, purposely put last because I think it's really, uh, really kind of cuts to the core of how quickly the um, the, the environment has changed uh, in recent years. Uh, I would say three, four years ago, there was a tremendous emphasis put on SEO and and is my site being could it could it be found and uh, where does it appear in a Google search? But that's really, uh, I would say, is almost taking like a back seat at this point to more using your digital marketing to expand relationships. And I wanted you to kind of uh, discuss that a little bit about what you see as far as uh, home offices talking to advisors about using their contacts, using their relationships, and using it the, with their digital marketing to expand that footprint. Yeah, I would say that most advisors have the opportunity to be successful with the digital marketing, understanding they're going to get most of their success from clients and prospects, Re referral relationship marketing. When you, when you think about SEO, true SEO means that you're hoping to find clients that are out on the Internet that are looking for a financial advisor that can help in particular areas. And that's a pretty big ask. And it's a pretty significant effort to really conduct true SEO. And if you understand the nature of SEO, it's really, and I'm, I'm just going to go high level here, mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's having the ability to be in a search. So, if, for example, if, if someone uh, types in the word uh, investment advisor, all right? San Diego, investment advisor, San Diego. 
Do you think they, they're going to find many? Oh, they'll find quite a few. Yeah, yeah exactly. And you can huff and you can puff, <clears throat> but you're not going to will yourself to the top of the Google rankings. Yeah, because everybody wants to be in the top 10 search, right? So if they've got uh, 200,000 financial advisors and they've got 10 spots on a Google search, um, the chances are pretty rough. And so it's typically really large, significant firms that are paying enormous amounts of money uh, on what we call SEO to to effectively manage their sites so that when someone searches for something, their site's going to come up first. Right. They bolster their rankings. Yeah. And so that's a really, that's a much longer, complex conversation about how they do that. Um, But um, most financial advisors are not going to do that. So what can a financial advisor do from an SEO to be uh, relevant and have it be more effective? Well, that really kind of falls into the realm of making sure you've got great, unique content on your website. Ultimately, what you want to do is you want to try to be found in your local market. So one of the examples that uh, I use is that if someone goes out and and searches financial advisor, like we talked, there's going to be a bazillion of those people. Sure. Uh, But if you typed... Uh, in a search, if you know, if you're, let's say you're a um, parent of a special needs child, so you type in financial advisor, special needs um, children, uh, San Diego, California. Well, all of a sudden your funnel gets really narrow. And the idea is that when you're building out your website to make sure that you have copy that's relevant to who you are, physical, physical location you're in, any specialties you have, and to write unique copy that uh, is going to have or create the opportunity for people to find you based on what you're doing, your specialties, your potentially your hobbies, likes, dislikes, um, that's going to be unique. And that will be much more effective in helping you get found than trying to be all things to all people. And so, um, you know, we have the belief that, you know, staying top of mind with your clients and prospects, using your email marketing, your social media marketing, optimizing your site for your local, uh, physical area is going to be much more effective than trying to be that individual that's going to be found on a relatively generic search. The other thing that we found is that um, people that are are approached off the internet a lot of times are price conscious. They're looking for uh, inexpensive services. You're much more likely to have financial success with a client that's meaningful to you by getting a referral um, some other relationship uh, component from what you're currently doing with your clients and prospects. And sure, SEO might generate you five leads, and all of them want either uh, debt management or maybe college fund relief or something like that. That's not necessarily going to mean revenue to the financial advisor. Yeah, I want a nice small-term life insurance policy. Right. not <laughs> typically what the financial advisor is looking for. Um, but, yeah, I think but there's better t- ways to do But that it. takes time. That takes time to manage and to go through and to... Um, uh, put somebody through that process to identify what that is. Yeah, you look at the um, the individuals that uh, ran Platinum Advisor Strategies for many years, the Frost Brothers, and they just recently spoke at our Elevate Conference. You know, they went from kind of zero to an enormous practice, and they did that with relationship marketing. And so those individuals were doing uh, a shred day after tax season. They're doing a shopping day where they're taking their clients and prospects down to to the garment district. They're having a, a wine tasting at their offices and they're always uh, putting out the opportunity for their clients' prospects to bring some with them, someone with them. 
And so they're employing email marketing. They're utilizing social media marketing. They're leveraging their website to, to list their value proposition. And so that's just one example of how they're really employing digital marketing in a variety of different areas, but they're focusing on their current clients to help them grow their practice. And they've been hugely successful. And I think advisors have a much greater opportunity to go down that path in terms of relationship marketing than they do having a random person find them off the internet that they've never heard of before to come in and do business. Now, as soon as I say that, someone's going to say, well, I, I had a big client and, and yes, um, some business can be found that way, but you know, we've also understand, uh, and we've seen that some people, some financial advisors have spent many thousands of dollars every month in the pursuit of SEO to be somewhat disappointed. Sure. And so you got to really go in with eyes uh, wide open in terms of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be one thing for a financial advisor. Uh, the, the demands on someone who say is an insurance professional will be different. They, they might actually be pushing more efforts into SEO because that may be where they will find the majority of their customers and they want to be top of mind like that. But for financial advisors, it's, it's, it's understanding that they've got, they've got a book of business. They've got 200 customers. They've got 200 clients, and they sort through them, and they find that, you know, lo and behold, 100 of them are teachers, 80, 60, 60 others are engineers, and 40 others are small business owners. And more than likely, those teachers hang out with teachers. Those engineers hang out with engineers, and the small business owners are connected in that part of the community. So that that relationship marketing, that that that, that invitation, that open door to have not only the client come to some of these events, but some of their their friends is is awesome, and it also creates that um, that really that non threatening environment where people can go and meet someone and uh, just say hi and hello. Yeah, it's really almost the extension of the seminar marketing experience, right? Uh, because those are intended to be non threatening environments where you could get great information, uh, and these these relationship events uh, many times uh, tend to be you know, they're fun for people to, to attend. You know, it, again, it's non-threatening. You have the opportunity to kind of kind of touch and feel and see uh, what you might want to do going forward. Um, and, and again, that's not to dissuade people from SEO. There's a certain place uh, and, and time for financial advisors to pursue, pursue SEO. It, to, to a large degree, it may depend on the size of your practice and what you're trying to accomplish. But for the, for the average financial advisor, uh, that is, you know, looking to maintain a, uh, a modest marketing budget, SEO may not be the best place for you to look. There's, there's many other uh, avenues utilizing the digital marketing tools that will be uh, far more beneficial for you. Gotcha. Yeah. And I think, too, that uh, one of the things you and I have talked about a number of times is that um, the, the general population is constantly being inundated by um, free free trading, free this, uh, cost management. Uh, uh, Tony Robbins had a book that came out a couple of years ago talking about all the fees and how it eats away at your 401k return. So you've got a, you've got a marketplace out there that believes that financial services uh, are inexpensive and if they get lined up with the right firm, that the trades don't cost anything. So they're, 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 they're in some ways, they're marginalizing the financial advisor on the front end. Uh, absolutely. There's, again, as I indicated, there's compression on the advisor from many different avenues. But what we have found, and again, the Frost Brothers are a perfect example of this, is fees are far less uh, of a concern to a client 
if they feel like they've got a relationship with you. If they feel like, okay, I'm working with someone I like, I trust, I enjoy being around, that that fee compression uh, is somewhat minimized. Sure. Uh, because yeah. I think we all want to do business with someone that we, we like and trust would consider a friend and can rely on their advice. And, you know, for, for the most, most advisors are dealing with clients in multiple areas. They're not just managing their money, but they're also... Uh, confidants and consultants and uh, counselors to to folks that uh, are their clients, and that's where you it's hard to put a price on that. Yeah, and I think it's uh it, you know I, I think as uh, advisors hear this podcast and they sit back and they think about their own life. I I I look at myself. I I like to go to restaurants where I have a relationship with the waitstaff, uh, where I either know some of the uh, waiters and waitresses or I know someone who is who is who is one of the maitre d's. It, it makes it a better environment. I feel better about spending my money there versus going to somewhere where I don't. Um, that's not to say I don't on occasion, but my fallback is, and I think as, as financial advisors develop that relationship with people, um, that's where they can really um, enjoy the benefits of it. I, I would say that's true, Mike, and I, I guess I have to laugh a little bit because um, for those of you listening, Mike has a um, a very underdeveloped palate narrow 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 is uh an understatement cheeseburger and fries so so mike uh definitely knows the wait staff at uh at subway sure and uh is price conscious (laughs) 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 Uh, but yes i your point is well taken Uh, oh goodness goodness all right well on that note uh greg thanks for joining us today certainly gained a lot of insights as to what's going on with advisors and their home offices i i think as i mentioned you're you're on the road probably two weeks uh, a month and giving presentations uh talking with home offices about what they're looking for their needs and so having you uh, participate in these podcasts is great because it helps financial advisors uh through you they can hear what's going on through many different firms. Uh, so thank you for taking time to do this. And Greg, can we uh, have you back as a guest in six months or so? I, I look forward to it, Michael. <laughs> All, right, <yeah. laughs> All right. Well, we'll let you get some more uh, miles from frequent flyer miles under your belt, and uh, we'll have you back. Thank you, sir. This has been fun. Thank you for listening to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. If you found this episode informative, please share with your peers and colleagues. Visit fmgsuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.